Good luck. Puts on the step, goes right through, puts on the step again. Oh, go pretty. That was magnificent stuff. Well, I shall not believe them. Marshall skips away. Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Mullins opens up again. Oh, look at him go. He beats O'Davis on the outside. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only Adderall podcast launching its own arm wrestling championship starring Ben Ross's more functional and less shattered left radius. I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show we'll be chatting about whether or not Latrell Mitchell getting booed is warranted, whether Fergo should be welcomed back into the NRL after a short-lived career as a Japanese criminal, provide our predictions for the round ahead, and finish with a discussion about player salaries which we didn't get to last week. Sorry about that. We ran out of time after Mario had to take a whiz and it took 23 minutes. He wheezed with the same ferocity as Black Caviar. Who knew? But before we get started, please, if you have time, rate and or review the show wherever you're listening to the podcast to ensure the lads do not have to beg for downloads down at the local bus shelter again. The last time we did that, Xander had an old lady piss in his face. Traumatic for those who witnessed it, but not for Xander. Actually paid her cash for that to happen. So please do rate the show and make us happy and follow us on Twitter at the handle at Voluntary Tackle to keep up to date with all of our absurd views on the wonderful game of rugby league. But first, I'm joined in the Sports Best Friends studios by two men who, if they were ever asked to chase down Todd Byrne during an NRL match, would do so, like the rest of the able-bodied population, with absolute aplomb. The first is Rugby Union's answer to Rugby Union, Xander Risotto. Hello to you, sir. <laughs> G'day, mate. How are you doing? Very good to have you here, sir. And the second is the evil prince of Brookvale, Media Watch Mario. Thanks for joining us, mate. Absolute pleasure. Now, Mario, let's start with you and your beloved Manly. Uh, I want to get it straight from the horse's mouth. What went wrong against the Chooks and how expensive is the therapy you're now receiving? 2008, we lost the opening two games of the season. I've said it so many times already this year. I'm going to say it to death. So I'm not concerned at all. In terms of what went wrong, well, you know, our hooker sucks, our centers suck, our forwards sucked, apart from Homola. He was the only one who was good the entire game, I thought. Is it time to end the Lachlan Croker experiment, you think? The best possible time to end the Lachlan Croker experiment was the absolute moment before they signed him. I love that. Um, I guess the only alarm bell from last year is that I guess you started off the season without Tommy, and then when he came back, it really turned everything around. Obviously, Tommy's here for the beginning of the season does that concern you at all not really because as has been said tommy's just one guy uh, he, he didn't do a lot in the game but as i said no one did anything the forwards did nothing poor old saab couldn't run his way through a wet paper bag if, if it lines up against him it's it, there's just no go forward for the team and you know no fullback's going to be particularly effective even perhaps the best fullback Although, you know, he may not look the best fullback at the moment, but I think we could all agree he was last year. And yeah, he's just, he's got nothing to work with at the moment. And I'll Mm. I'll worry if we can't get it done against the Bulldogs Mm. on the weekend. Yeah, no, he's a freak. Don't you worry about that. There's nothing wrong with Tommy Turbo. He will be back. Uh, Xander, I want to start with you on the same game. A bit of a shock, I think, to most Roosters fans. Hutch, he was moved into the hooker role by Robbo. I have to say... To me, that was a, a big surprise. In fact, it was the biggest surprise since Mary Antoinette's head bounced upon its decapitation only to be alley-ooped into a basket by her executioner. How did you see that one? Peter, well, it wasn't just Hutch, right? I mean, he, he effectively switched um, uh, our attacking, uh, our point of attack on both sides. You know, but he put Billy Smith to the wing and he brought um, Momrovsky into centre. In general, looked a lot more cohesive. And uh, yeah, Hutch, um, Hutch was good. I think kicked forty twenty even, um, which was uh, which is quite un- un- unexpected. I think um, he was buzzing, wasn't he? He was buzzing on the euphoria of being in the running, the run on side, and yeah, I think that's where that forty twenty came from—just that sheer adrenaline slash cum um, that he had, sort of flowing throughout his body. But it wasn't just that. I mean, it was also like I mean, but last you acknowledge week, there was cum there. That's good. <laughs> Yes, yes. There's, there's, like 4020s generally produce them, I find, at least for me. <laughs> it does for um, me when I watch, I tell you. <laughs> but, uh, but I was not expecting them to play that well. I mean, I, I was on the record last week thinking, geez, you know, this is this 
has shades of a few years ago when we took a little bit uh, of time for for the side to to really find their um their groove and and build those combinations you know i thought oh this is the first time that walker and curio played together really um as a as a starting halves pairing um after what was a pretty challenging injury-ridden uh, year in 2021 i have to say mario um the probable wooden spooners looked red hot against the tigers didn't they <laughs> well yeah they the Obviously, the probable wooden spooners is your term, not mine. But yeah, I certainly <laughs> can't argue that that was that was not the performance I think anyone expected after the Tigers had actually been useful the week before. I got to say, I think this is like the worst standard of football I've seen a team play in a long time. That was about a, a thousand penalties, a thousand drop balls. No one looked elusive. They almost looked dirty on themselves. The Tigers. They were. Just giving away stupid penalties. I think Tyrone Peachy got himself sin bin, so he didn't have to play anymore. Yeah, you got you got to wonder, don't you? you if they they've got, they're playing the Warriors this week, who've now dropped, although they say not, um, Ash Taylor for for Nick Arima. You know, they're still missing Sean Johnson. Hmm. It, I, I'm planning on tipping the Warriors for this one, but well, honestly, well, of the course Tigers you will. You're not insane. But if the Tigers can't get this done. Uh, you know, can't at least have a vastly improved performance. You've got to start to have question marks over Luke Brooks and and Madge Maguire. I know they don't want to change coaches, but you know, questions are going to be asked by their fans who are, you know, uh, are certainly very reactionary. I think you could say. Look, because TVT is at the cutting edge of the news cycle, I can just tell you there is some late breaking news out of the Tigers camp. They've actually been relegated to A grade in the under thirties comp. They'll now be playing Wiley Park from Heffron. Um, so good luck to them. I hope they finally get a win. Now, Xander, um, any changes in the way you feel about either the Dragons or the Dogs based on what we've seen so far? We're only two rounds in, but I have to say both teams uh, are, at, at the very least, quite competitive. Yeah, no, I was, was quite impressed with both of them over the weekend. I'm not going to tip either of them this weekend, though. I do. I was impressed with them, but I think the Sharks will have too much for the Dragons and uh, the Dogs won't be able to beat Manly. I, I just can't see it. Um, but they're definitely on the improve. The game against the Broncos was was uh, was actually really impressive. I thought the Dogs had the better of the first half. Mm. To Reynolds really... Um, Really earned his money in, in helping them pull that one out of the bag, I thought, mm. um, in the second half. I've got to say, I think that the Dogs actually outplayed them. There was a, an individual effort from Farnworth, a great one-on-one steal, and had the Bulldogs not had Uckenbauer on the wing, who can't defend for love nor money, let's be honest. He has zero idea. He's just a turnstile blowing in the wind. Uh, yeah, so that that is an issue. Um, I, for me, that's a no-brainer. You just get anyone in. Um, I just pull them in from the crowd. I don't care. What I found really interesting, I don't know if you noticed this, Mario, is Trent Barrett, I know you're not his biggest fan, but he pulled out a bit of a strategic furphy on the weekend. He had um, Josh Jackson playing predominantly at first receiver, which was interesting. He's not not a noted ball player, but it actually seemed to work quite well, I thought, because, and I'm assuming this is to try to make up for their halfback deficit. I mean, you'd have to assume that's it. I, I just thought that Trent Barrett was trying to channel... You know, the, the old Des Hasler days back when he had uh, Tony Williams and was it Sam Cassiano as his <laughs> yeah. halves? And I, yeah. I, I have this horrible feeling that was against Manly and the Bulldogs even won, but I might be wrong <laughs> on that. That's a halves pairing that weighs about 330 kilos. That's amazing. You, you think, you know, you want Sam Walker or Luke Keary or, you know, Daly Cherry Evans running at you. No one's shake, quaking in their boots. Suddenly it's these two monstrosities. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the Roosters can't talk. We've got the exact opposite. You'd almost swear that they've been raised in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, but they're doing a good job. And, uh, you know, in, in Robbo, I trust. Now, gents, it's time for our new awards of the week segment. It's sponsored. We actually got a sponsor on board. It's quite, an, quite a revelation. It's actually been sponsored by something that's no longer on the market, though. It's the short-lived fragrance Lynx Iceland, the only DO guaranteed to make seals and fishes more sexually attracted to you while snowshoeing. The first one is the Dylan Orcott Award, guys. Thank you. I think standing ovations are one of the most ironic things in the world, by the way. But I'll take them. Uh, it's named in honour of Australia's favourite hero. Everyone loves Dylan, so we thought if we're going to pick a hero of the round, it may as well be named after that champ, Dylan. Um, look, I'm going to start with mine. Uh, for me, a thousand times yes. My hero was the efforts of the Sharks' Toby Rudolph for his euphoric cavorting with the crowd after the Sharks' last-minute win on the weekend. 
He jumped the fence after the dramatic win against the Eels and embraced and hugged random people for a solid 15 minutes. I mean, sure, he was COVID positive and half of them are now in hospital. To me, it was heartwarming to see a player as joyous with the crowd as he was and wanting to share it. Mario, who was your Dylan Alcott winner? I hate the storm in case anyone wasn't aware, but it was Ryan Pappenhausen. I loved his field goal a lot that, you know, he... They ran out on him, looked a little bit offside, I thought, the South's defenders, and he just simply dodged around, sprinted forward, which is not how you're supposed to take a a field goal attempt, and he just slotted it cool as a cucumber. I thought it it looked almost as good as his hair. I tend to agree with Mario there, Xander. I quite enjoyed the end of that match because it's much better to see Souths lose in a tight one because it's more agonising. So I certainly enjoy it a lot more. If you just flog them and their soul is beaten from the outset, it's not as fun. Uh, So to see the Paps sink their ship so late in the game, it was was very gratifying for me. But who was your Dylan Alcott winner? I'm I'm tempted to say um, hectic cheese just for the uh, the imitation of of Latrell that um, he did at the end of the game. To be honest, just for pure comedic value, doing the uh, ear to the crowd symbol, but with a very goofy face. You know, on Fox Sports, they've beaten it up a fair bit and said that Souths are furious. But from what I can tell, Trill thought it was quite funny as well. And they've had a bit of a back and forth, but uh, still just very funny. We're going to move on to uh, who earned the dubious honour of winning the David Siege trophy. You know, when they told me it's a 12-month injury, I thought, oh, that, that could be it. I thought, I might be packing up and heading back to win them. Earning that person an inscription on the TVT David Siege Memorial Urinal and a 12-month ban from Rugby League. I'm going to start with you, Mario. Who's got your David Siege trophy for the week? I mean, I feel bad because I've been a bit of a fan of this guy, but Cody Walker, he's got the yips or something. He looks like crap. Mm. Do you think it's that intercept in the grand final? That was seen to be a turning point. I know it's only really two full games since, but I think having that intercept in round one to Albert Kelly probably didn't help his confidence. It really didn't. I, it just feels like, you know, when you go through a bad patch in some sports, it's really hard to get out of. I don't feel like rugby league is really that sport normally. You don't see the evidence of people just really being in their own heads and just struggling for weeks and weeks hmm. when they're normally good. Whereas at the moment, he just, he's got a, you know, he's got a good moment in him here and there, but he's just, yeah, he doesn't look confident. And was it last week or the week we just had? Was it was a week one or week two where Cody Walker was actually walking and everyone just sort of stood and watched him just go, "What are you doing, mate?" He just, he had the ball and he just sort of took three or four really slow steps. He's like, "I don't know what to do," and just gave it to someone else. Yeah, you've obviously probably played a lot of touch football in your time, but that's a common sort of thing that touch footy players do. And I feel like it's just sheer exasperation. He was out of options, and you're right. I think he was walking around. Just assessing, going well. Our structures in this pl- in this set aren't working. Maybe I'll I'll try to play something off the top of my head. Someone will come out of the line. Um, but yeah, kind of looks ordinary <laughs> from the outside looking in, doesn't it? Look, you think he might have the yips, um, Xander? How much could Cody Walker's lack of form at the moment be to do with the general and number seven no longer being with him? Well, I mean, I'm on the record of saying this numerous times, but I just don't think that Cody Walker without Adam Reynolds is that effective. Mm. I mean, every every game last year where they played and Reynolds went off or he, he was missing, uh, Walker just suddenly look, looked impotent. Uh, I don't know what it is. Um, for whatever reason, I think he needs Reynolds there to, to kind of be the game manager and, and steady the ship for him and, and allow him to play his instinctive style. And yeah. without him, he struggles to produce that magic. Cody Walker has never struck me as the kind of guy that is managing matches. He is a strike player um, who does play, not off the, necessarily just off the top of his head, but he has a particular set of skills that he can apply if someone provides him the opportunities. And at the moment, I think he's sort of stuck between still trying to be that guy from last year that was so dangerous, but also managing the team because he's got a, an inexperienced halfback next to him. And But potentially it's that lack of certainty in his own mind, being really clear with what his role is. That could be affecting yeah, you see this, game. You see this a lot. Like I'm, I've seen it, you know, for 20 years and halves watching the game where you have a, a a talented but somewhat instinctive, you know, six or a seven, depending on, you know, what the, the maturity of their partner is. And, and then a, a kind of steady, mature general kind of half that allows them to play their natural game. Mm. Um, and when that 
when the steady player goes, the the kind of more natural one often just doesn't manage to play with the same creativity afterwards. Yeah. Do you um, think it's I remember... fair that it's a, a bit of a template with the Roosters? You, would you say that that aptly describes Luke Keary and Cooper Cronk? I mean, you know, in a nutshell, like they like Cronk really allowed Keary to to uh, you know come into his own and play and play his natural game more than more, more than anything. I mean, I can even remember thinking of thinking of um, it back when uh, Brad Fittler partnered with Brett Finch. Like Finch looked pretty <laughs> bloody good yep. when Fittler was there um, because Fittler just gave him a lot of freedom by just controlling the game uh, yep. completely, um, and he could pop up and do whatever he wanted. And then when Fittler was gone, Finch looked like a reserve-grade player. Yeah, geez, I wish he could control his WhatsApp account. That would have been nice. Xander, we still haven't got your David Siege Award. The Tigers' entire team. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, I couldn't single it. I was trying to think who was the worst performed, but, oh, Jesus, that was an atrocious performance. I, I yeah. you know, the writing has got to be on the wall. I, I think for, for several years, I keep expecting somehow, as much as I bag matched, so I, I keep expecting something to go right for them. And it just, it's just atrocious. I'm using the logic that, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day, right? Yeah. Like, but it, it just have gotten to, to that. Look, if the players were supposed to be playing for Madge's career, they clearly, the whole squad missed the memo. So they they're, they're, they're playing there. for it, but just not in the way that uh, he wants. Yeah. <laughs> they're playing well, to end it. Well, look, my David Siege winner, lads, for what it's worth, uh, was Alex Johnson, um, someone who actually Mario had to go out last week. It's almost it was a prophecy. Because who, despite uh, scoring a try, bombed about eight. And if he caught at least one in the two passes, the Bunnies probably would have won by 12 against the Storm. We're going to move on to which team was the best performed. Uh, they will earn themselves a jewel-encrusted leadline TVT coffee mug with extra asbestos tea bags. Uh, whose was yours, Mr. Rosotto? We'll start with you. So I'm going to be incredibly biased here and, and say the Roosters. Um, just because after last week, I... Honestly, was was expecting us to be pretty clunky again, and I thought Manly had everything to play for, and just on paper look like a very like they look like a top four team. Mm. And uh, the Roosters just tore them to shreds in the first half. Manly really brought the the game to us in the second, when the you know with the weather coming down, but the Roosters held their nerve. Um, a few really you know some really cracking defence, a couple really big clutch plays as we mentioned, the forty twenty late in the second half to help us um, regain uh, momentum, and you know I guess limit those attacking opportunities um, from Manly. Uh, I would, I was tempted yeah. to go with the Knights, but the Tigers were just so awful. Uh, it's hard to give them too much credit. <laughs> yeah, look, my only worry in that game was that, um, you know, it did look as though our forwards tired and Manly's forwards started to get over the top of us, I thought, in the last sort of 20. But we'll see how that goes in round three. Uh, I'll go next. Look, for me, it was the Sharks. Um, they scored twice as many tries as ah. their much more fancied opponents, but held their nerve to steal it in the final minute. Uh, look, guys, for me, it was a wonderfully entertaining match. Um, it showed me that the Sharks, I guess, haven't only increased their talent stocks this year, but also their mental resolve as well. Uh, big shout out to Fitzy. Uh, could have been pretty easy there to just put their heads down after that Reed Marnie try late in the second half, but they didn't. They came away with the cookies, so they were my best performed team. I'm going to finish with you, though, Mario. Whose was yours? I might not be taking this quite the way it's supposed to be, but I'm going to go the Cowboys purely on yeah, that is right. how much of an improvement they put on from the week before. In round one, they looked like they couldn't have beaten 1999 Wests or 1998 or whatever it was when they were still around. <laughs> and, you know, I think and, both of them. And yet, yeah. In fact, they looked like they looked like they would have struggled to beat 2001 Wests when I know they didn't exist anymore. That's how bad they were in round one. And for them to do what they did in round two against what we had all thought, well, maybe the Raiders are a good team after all. Oh, no, it turns out they're not. Mm. Well, I was going to ask you that, Mario. How much of that win for the Cowboys, and it was a big win, uh, was down to their performance and how much was down to Canberra being stinky? Because I've got to say, they played shocking. Oh, look, they really did. And obviously losing their hooker hasn't helped them. And they're just going to continue to suck and even more, which is a great shame, I'm sure. Look, it, it, it's just hard to say. You can only beat the team that's in front of you, and the Cowboys actually did it pretty well. Much better than I expected from a team that I thought would struggle to win more than two games all year. Mm. Yeah, I have to say, I I, uh, I think they need Paul Bowman back in the centres, frankly. or They need his... Um... 
No, they don't actually. You shit. Um, they, have, they have 17 poor carriages instead. God rest his rugby league career. All right, lads, we're going to move on to our first segment of the show, and uh, it's about Souths, uh, who were actually left shocked, apparently, by the booing of Latrell Mitchell by the Melbourne Storm crowd during their game against them last week. Uh, South CEO Blake Solly even went so far as to say he hoped this did not become a regular thing at other games and in turn into an Adam Goods situation. The first question we're asking the show is this, racist assumptions by Solly aside for the moment, is booing players like Latrell a bad thing? It actually strikes me that the game needs heroes and villains. I think that's something I've always said. And Mitchell, I guess by virtue of the aggressive way he plays and, and his huge talent, obviously, might just be the NRL villain the game needs. That's just my thoughts. Uh, but we'll start with you, Mario. Do we need booing in the game? Booing is fine. I think as long as it's not systemic in a way that, that like the Adam Goods booing was, which was just completely unjustified, just a bunch of racists getting their backs up. I don't yep. think it's at that stage with Latrell, and I hope it doesn't get there. There's certainly going to be a few racists in there who are just happy to boo him. Oh, I just don't like him because he's a flog, even though in reality it's probably just because they're racist. But the guy has done enough in his career, successful and the bad, to warrant having people, you know, have a strong opinion about him. And the teams he's played for might warrant some people not liking him simply for that reason. I, I feel like the majority of the boos he's getting at the moment are probably ones he's earned by a combination of being good and of being a dickhead. It's not the same as Adam Goods, who was basically a, a gentleman on and off the field. And whenever I heard somebody try and explain why they booed him, it was because he was, you know, quote unquote, staging for kicks, which is, I think, AFL parlance for diving, um, which seems a bit of a stupid reason to be, you know, getting upset uh, at uh, uh, at a player in AFL, given that they basically tackle like girls anyway. Spoken um, like someone who doesn't watch enough NRLW. Sorry, continue. That very fair point. Um, <laughs> nice um, but, uh, you know, I actually have been watching a lot of NRLW. I think it's been, the standard's been fantastic this year, I should say. I think that in, in Trell's case, you, you're absolutely right, Mario. He's he's done an awful lot, uh, both at the Roosters and even probably more so at Souths to earn the ire of players. I mean, you know, he obviously smashed the face of uh, Joey Manu at the back end of last year. He does tend to give it to crowds um, when uh, he plays, um, kind of seems to really get up them when, when uh, he, he scores. And he shows quite a bit of arrogance, which I think, as you say, uh, Eamon, um, it's good to have characters in the game who fire up and, and uh, you know, really get emotionally involved. And, in his case, I think the the booing is is a byproduct of his larger than life character. If you're getting booed, it means you're a focal point of the game's consciousness in a way. I guess um, you know the shit players don't tend to get booed. It's the players that can influence a game that can get booed. So I'm just wondering if you know there's been a, a bit of media scrutiny for the act of booing itself. But I'm actually for booing so long as it's done in the spirit of you know heroes and villains and not done maliciously aka in Adam Good's case. I want to point out I don't well I mean I did say I, that Luttrell was a dickhead. I think it's more that he has done a bunch of dickhead things. I think our game is far richer for having him than it would be without him. Absolutely. No question about it. Um but I also I hope I'm right. I get the impression that he sort of thrives on that character that he is playing and in terms of be, getting a copying a bit of shit from rival fans. Yeah, he's just mm. He's playing for his team. He doesn't give a shit of rival fans booing because he's there to try and win games for South. He just unfortunately hasn't done it at the right time of year, or fortunately, depending on your point of view. It reminds me a little of um, I don't know if you you probably know this story, Eamon, but um, they talk about uh, sledging in cricket, and Viv Richards famously um, <laughs> used to just get better the more you sledged him. So opposing teams would always tell their players to. to uh, do as little as possible to give him more ammunition to thrash him around the park. Yeah, that's I right. I think uh, there's, a, there's a touch of that in Trill. I'm big on rugby league theatre. And to me, you know, the crowd getting stuck into him and then the Trill having that moment where he knocks over a 40-metre field goal in the last couple of seconds to level a game and running to the crowd. I mean, that is a, a really memorable moment and that is a brilliant advertisement for the game, surely. For me, I don't care what Solly's saying. I think that's it's really great for the game. And so long as no one's getting personally hurt, i.e. 
you know, the boos aren't coming for some ridiculous reason like racism. And for the record, I don't think that's the case with Luttrell at all. I think that the boos are coming because A, he's a wonderful player and he's really good. And B, he often does it sometimes by blurring the lines between legal play and illegal play and being super aggressive. And we've all seen that in the last couple of years. He does go over the line because he gets a bit of white line fever. But geez, if we didn't have some of those players in the game, it'd be a bit of a snooze fest. Uh, three white guys all agree that this um, <laughs> Aboriginal that. guy's not being, not being booed based on race. We put out a poll as well, uh, gentlemen, to our listeners, and we asked, should booing be outlawed at NRL matches? Uh, we only put it out an hour ago. Encouragingly, we got 200 votes, so that's a fairly good sample. 92% say no, so uh, they're agreeing with us on that count. Uh, we've got a few comments underneath this. Uh, one is from David Hunter, who said, Boo earns. Thank you for that Simpsons reference, David. Uh, Sandy Hunter said, I think booing is acceptable. When it gets disrespectful, it becomes an issue. I think that's hard to disagree with. Um, although Remy, in response, said, there's a thing called respectable booing, question mark. Yeah, booing Scott Morrison. We're all allowed to do that. Totally. I think that's, in fact, I think that's mandatory under the Constitution. Can, can I actually, whilst we briefly have Scott Morrison, did anyone see him on the weekend when Nico Hines was lining up his kick and Scott Morrison was doing the woo-woo hands? I did and see I, I was yeah, wondering I saw. If, if anybody has told him that you're meant to do that when the opposition kicks. If you have, the people who are doing it when your team is kicking, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, you're not supposed like, to curse your team. I, I thought that maybe Rugby League had adopted that ironically. Um, I, I actually have <laughs> I no idea. Maybe, I think may, no, I think maybe, isn't it? I think the Sharks have been doing that with their kickers in a positive as a positive thing for a little while. I could be wrong, but I feel like I remember seeing that really... a few times before. Yeah, I've, I haven't seen it before. I just, I just looked at it and I'm like... That's really silly, <laughs> because it just because famously that is that is meant to be a um, yeah that's putting the mock on the opposition is when you you wave you wiggle your hands like that. Yeah, and and as Mario said, they've had such shocking goal kicking over the last two seasons. The Sharks they could be doing it as some kind of ironic gesture for their inability to actually kick a goal, and like shaking your hands because it can't get worse. Trying to do the reverse Kavorka. Maybe they were just listening to the new Chats cover of the Wiggles, and they were just pointing their fingers and doing the twist. Look, I'd love to know what that is. Um, who's Chats? I'll share a link in. <laughs> In the message too. Thanks, mate. I think the listeners would find this all enthralling, to be honest. But uh, um, <laughs> look, the last comment we have here uh, from nine one zero three two one premiers said it would be unfair on West fans because they couldn't boo the opposition and their own team. It would be like watching a silent movie. At the end of the day, and when Latrell looks back on his whole career, um, I think he'll actually look back on the booing with fondness, and he'll realise that some players don't get booed or cheered at all. Some simply get forgotten and are forced to start up an unsuccessful Mexican fast food franchise and become the subject of a legal wrangle with a property developer. Yes, my thoughts are with you, Shane Rusbrat. Spare me your mediocre burritos. They are as bland as your dummy half service. More after this. Well, lads, the man who's always taken his second chances with both hands and rarely transgressed wants back into the NRL. Yes, I'm referring to the vodka cruiser swilling, coke snorting, sushi smashing winger Blake Ferguson. He's out of Japanese prison feeling refreshed. And so today on the show we're asking, should an NRL club throw this perennial legal booby a lifeline? We'll start with you, Mario. Should Fergo get a 19th chance? Parramatta missed out on Jermaine Asako today. So I honestly see no reason why they wouldn't just get him on match payments, you know, on a minimum wage contract. He might only play three or four games for them, but it might be the three or four games they need if he's, you know, fit and healthy and there's really no harm done in there. As far as they're concerned, no one, there's worse people than Fergie out there. He, so he got done doing drugs in, in Japan. Grant, I know what he did in the past, but that was a long time ago. And I'm, you know, I'm not a big redemption person, but he hasn't done any, you know, George um, Burgess style behavior that we allegedly. know of in many years. Allegedly, definitely allegedly. <laughs> I, I just think, what's the harm? He's, you know, he's better than Brad Parker. What would you be willing to pay per match for Ferguson if he was coming to your club, Mario? Just whatever minimum wage is, honestly. Whatever you, I think it's, is it about one hundred and twenty-five grand a year? You're not getting him for a full year, so if you just offered him like a, you know, 
what's that, 100 grand over the next 20 rounds? Five grand a game. There you go. I thought you were talking actual minimum wage, like seventeen ninety nine an hour McDonald's style. That's what I no, thought No, I too. definitely meant NRL minimum wage. <laughs> uh, could probably fit that under the cap, Xander. What about you? If, uh, hypothetically, uh, Fergo was to come back to the Roosters, he has played there before. If we were able to get him at a song, would you welcome him back with both arms? <sighs> I mean... Yeah, look, if you were getting him on the on the cheap, you'd, you'd have to think he'd learnt his lesson. I mean, he's just, he's just, he, he'll be hurting. I mean, you know, he, he's 31 and he was on a 1.5 million dollar contract to play, you know, rugby in Japan, which is a pretty easy gig, really, uh, compared to the NRL. And you know, he brought coke and got into a punch up at a restaurant in Tokyo, basically within a. Uh, a month of arriving. It's just, it's mind-numbingly stupid, and um, you'd hope that he'd be feeling pretty fucking stupid uh, mm. for doing it because he's—that's a huge opportunity. Like I, 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 I can't sure quite wrap my head. <laughs> it's 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 still money. <laughs> I'd call it a reprieve. Right? Like, yeah, I, I think I think um, you know basically he was going to go on a on a um, on a short holiday in Japan to get paid a lot of money because mm. the, the the physical toll in his body was going to be nothing like what it was going to be in the NRL. So yeah, I, I, my only misgivings would be you know I'm wondering if he'd be looking for other opportunities because you know this was his retirement gig. Mm. Uh, you know how motivated is he going to want to going to be to to come to the to the NRL for minimum wage when he's in the twilight years of his career and he's just blown a massive chance for his family? Will they even accept it? So I, I'd, I'd question whether or not he even be open for it if he um, if he'd be looking for something else, hoping that maybe French rugby or some other cashed up group would be willing to give him a shot. Well, apparently reports are that he has asked his manager to shop him around in the NRL. He's pretty keen on an NRL comeback. And for someone that you describe as mind-numbingly stupid, I don't know if that's exactly the, I guess, the selling point they're going to go with. I, I want to ask you, Xander, though, just to push you on that point. You know, apart from the fact that he's, you know, in the twilight of his career and he's had a few problematic knees, etc., is Fergo worthy of a second chance? Or, well, it's probably a fifth chance in the NRL now. Uh, given, oh, yeah, I think he, I think he is. I think he is. Like, I mean, Mario is quite right. Like, his offences um, are, you know, he, he's he's not, you know, beaten up a woman or, or done something that's morally represent, reprehensible. He's just shown incredibly poor judgment for his own future, um, you know, which is which is its own kind of failing. But it's not, it's not the sort of um, failing that uh, you want to bar somebody for life for. Mm. Well, he um, he did more, sexually assault a woman, though. Which is yeah, but that was a long time total. ago. Was what I said. I mean, I was going not, not only, I was going to say not in Japan. He didn't. Uh, I went, I didn't. I wasn't aware of the sexual assault case. When was that? Oh, that was before he came to us. He got a two-year ban from the game over it. Ah, right. Jeez, I don't even remember it. Well, that, let's let um, probably a good segue, right? Let's walk through his history and then we'll make a judgment together. Because I mm. I'm kind of inclined to agree with Murray here. I mean, I'm a redemptionist to a degree, but we'll we'll go. Let's go for his rap sheet. So he walked out on the Sharks. He, he was famously saying that he left the club because he thought they were shit. Um, and he went to the Raiders. Um, then he was sacked by the Raiders after he failed to show up to a board meeting to explain his erratic behaviour, which included spitting on people at a at an, uh, a music event and doing a few other weird things. Uh, then he committed the really bad crime and was suspended for the game for two years. Came back to the NRL, played with the Roosters, won a premiership. That was a nice little period for him. Left for more money at Para, who released him after his ability to score tries on a wing for a competitive side was close to zero. Uh, then he went to Japanese rugby, like you say, Xander, and was arrested and imprisoned without playing a game, I don't think. So surely he deserves a second chance. <laughs> he, so I think, I think it's fair to say in his, in his uh, early 20s, he fucked up a lot. He, he, he showed a lot of maturity in, in, in the last few years. I thought, you know, he stinted the Roosters whilst he was at Parramatta as well. I mean, even though, you know, he was a bit up and down form-wise. Um he he was definitely a different player, you know, doing a bit of drugs whilst, uh, you know, overseas, really, really dumb. Like I said, I just, I still can't fathom it, you know, yeah. when you, when you, when you put it on a, on a risk management matrix, uh, what you stand to lose versus what you stand to gain. It's, um, it, it, it does, it does hurt my brain to think of it. Yeah. <laughs> but... Like make some effort to know the rules of where you are. The guy is dumb as dog shit to do that. The rules are the rules in Japan and they make it very clear when you arrive. And even if they don't, the team, you could just ask them, hey, what are the rules around this? I want to go do a baggie tonight. How's that going to go down? They're going to say, oh, no, Mr. Ferguson, please don't do that. 
and you'll say, oh, okay, well, I don't want to lose this good thing I've got going on. Yeah, yeah. Look, know, just, if I, if just I had been given a contract else. to go and play uh, rugby in Japan in the back end of my career for $1.5 million, and obviously I'm not a professional footballer, so that's never happened to me, but probably, if, uh, if I was in, in, in that, those posi- that position, um, I think I would probably not even drink for the first two and a half months of arriving like i would i would be so paranoid about doing anything to stuff it up yeah uh, because it's it's a lot of money at that time in your life yeah but how many nrl games you played champ well again i'm not a <laughs> professional footballer so i'm not in that position although for the record again you probably could play professional rugby i think you could do it <laughs> the street and be very good look i agree with both of you in fact if you go to another country of course you need to learn what the rules and regulations are japan cocaine bad Japan upskirting, okay, for some reason. Um, so you just got to make sure you're au okay with the rules so you don't get into trouble. Um, I wanted to ask this question, just reflecting on Fergo's career, when do we think Fergo was at his best? When was his prime, his apex? Um, yeah, you can describe this any way you want, either you know, in terms of the club he was playing for, hair versus post-hair, whatever. Uh, for me, it was Canberra. I actually thought he was playing his best footy at Canberra. Yeah. Uh, back then, my mind remembers him scoring numerous length of the field tries. There was, there were occasions where they just couldn't tackle him. He'd beat three or four players in one long-range stint. I think as injuries sort of caught up with him, he can sort of curtailed his game a little bit and became a little bit more of a, a narrow line specialist. But um, yeah, Canberra for me. What about you guys? I certainly was going to say Canberra. I, it, I think it was quite clear he he showed a lot of promise at the Sharks, but we didn't get to really see what he could do. And then we all sort of wondered and he got, he got, got kind of rushed into origin. I think from memory after he hadn't done that much at Canberra yet, yeah. but he actually did pretty well. And then he, you know, then he really did start to play quite well. And then when he got to you guys, he was still pretty damn good. Mm. Yeah. I think he was for the roosters. He was, he was pretty damn good in 2018, but for the rest of the time he was there, he was um, he could be as much of a liability as he could be a benefit. To yeah, be honest, right. I mean, yeah. my memories of him are the Roosters, apart from 2018, where he was, where he was, you know, I think that was some of his career best form, just in terms of he didn't have any brain snaps either. He was just playing really solid, mistake free, yeah. but also damaging footy. Uh, but you know, the years prior to that. Um, I would always be terrified every time the ball went to him that he was going to knock it on because he had as many drops in he in, in him as he did line breaks. Yeah. Um, so he was very much rocks and diamonds for the most of uh, most of the time he was with us. I thought. Uh, so I'd, I'd agree that Canberra was probably the best he had. Like that that period, as you said, when he was carving up. Xander, do you think that's his ultimate selling point that he could come back and entertain and regale NRL fans with the most legendary brain snaps of all time? Because I've got to say, in terms of brain snaps, Fergo really led the way. He was a sort of a someone that was a bit of a trailblazer, I guess you could describe him as. I mean, I remember him playing for the Roosters, and occasionally he just, you know, snapshot field goals to the wrong posts and things like that. You've never seen it before. And he always had this perplexed look on his face, like, "Why did I do that?" Yeah, like he <laughs> didn't just quite understand thing. his own cognition. Yeah. yeah, no, it was a very interesting man. Um, look, I'm going to wrap up on this, Xander, for you. If you were uh, Fergo's manager. I want you to tell me what are his selling points and what are the drawbacks. Fergo has the uh, the most instinctive white line fever you'll find in any footy footy player, and, and Jeez, the drawbacks you can find the line. and the drawbacks see above. He's an idiot. Don't expect him to contribute on the field in any sort of a leadership role. Just put him on a sideline, tell him to tackle that guy, run the ball and run into that guy. And he's actually pretty good. Keep it, keep it really simple. Yeah. To me, that's the only way now he's, he's lost a bit of speed towards the end of last year. He actually, I thought when he got back in the team, he actually showed a big improvement after having a bit of a break. Mm. Um, but he still wasn't wonderful, but he was, you know, better than there was plenty of other wingers in the comp worse than him. So, well, look, we put this out to our Twitter listeners and we asked, should Blake Ferguson get another run in the NRL? And three quarters of people said, fuck no. Um, so <laughs> I'm afraid that the fans might not be with him. Look, for what it's worth in terms of drawbacks, for me, it might be, I don't know, no night games because he can only play on day release. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Now, with so much speculation about player transfers and salary cap space dominating the headlines, today on the show we're asking if making an NRL player's salary public would be a positive mood by the NRL. 
Xander, I'm going to start with you. Is it in the best interest of the game to have a player's pay packet out there for all to see? Yes. <laughs> and why is that? <laughs> um, well, I, you know, look, I think most players kind of know um, what each other are. And, and to be honest, all studies around around uh, salary tra- transparency tend to be positive, doesn't matter what industry it is, in terms of uh, uh, encouraging people to get more, more, you know, to be paid their value. So I actually don't really see a huge downside to it. I know Cam Smith has been a huge critic of it, but I guess he did sign two contracts, so that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> he does have something to hide. I think even still, I'm feeling as there's a few more contracts we don't know about, allegedly. Um, Mario, what about you in terms of, I've noticed the attitude from former players almost always seems to be this is a shit idea. Um, but from NRL fans, I've noticed that people are sort of polarised on it. I think a lot of people love the idea of knowing, they're intrigued, they're curious, uh, but half of them sort of go, but let's not do it, which is interesting to me. I personally am in favour of it, but where do you land on this one? The contracts of NBA, NFL, Premier League players, all publicly available, basically. We know what they're on to the dollar, pretty much. What they earn from sponsors is usually separate, and I think that's actually the way it should be. We should, as long as the sponsors are not organised by the club, they should be purely privately organised. And any club ever found organising sponsors should just be banned from the competition for a year, and that'll fix the fucking problem in a second. Because the other, all the other codes don't seem to have this issue. Why do we have such a outdated, conservative, bloody idea for this supposed working class game? That, oh, we have to keep our, our wages private because what? Otherwise, people are going to try and steal our bitcoins? What the hell is the issue here? And the absolute balls on that fucking cheating cunt to even talk about salary uh, bloody visibility. My God, go and shoot yourself in the head, you hypocritical piece of shit. Oh, Xander, I didn't I think know. He, I think you've just stated, stated what I said, just with a, with a tiny, the tiniest bit more vitriol there. That's Mario. right. And he should never talk about Adam McDougall in such terms. I, I take exception on Adam's behalf. But I guess I'm also curious as to what do we think the benefits of doing this would be to NRL fans, to the game, to players? Why would we do this? Why do we need benefits? It's just every other sport can do it. Let's just get rid of the stupid conversation. I mean, especially as Roosters fans, the team that most often get told, "Oh, you're under, you know, you're, you're cheating, you're, you're underplaying mm. people." It's just a, it's just a tired argument that just lets idiots talk like idiots. Let, I mean, maybe it's a good thing to give the idiots something to talk about so that we can try and keep them away from actual important conversations. Maybe that's a good thing. So there you go. There's a benefit of keeping them quiet. Xander, look for me, I can see it for an immediate benefit in terms of it being just an interesting talking point between fans for media organisations, you know, who are looking for additional analysis about the game and getting more people to talk about rugby league, it strikes me as tends to be a positive thing. Um, I thought that maybe publishing people's salaries would just be, I don't know, put an extra dimension onto conversations about transfers, about, um, you know, the the way that a club recruits. And, and, you know, in terms of, you know, how we often talk about, wow, that club, I can't believe he recruited him. What a howler of a decision. But maybe it's not a howler if they're only paying him 100K a year. So it might actually inform fans a little bit more as to the decision-making process. That's just my two cents. But how do you see that element of it? Well, yeah, I mean, it's precisely what I said before as well. I mean, there has been, like, research done into this and they, they do find that you know there have been arguments about this in every industry for for decades um about you know oh you're gonna you're gonna cause um jealousy etc cetera, etc cetera. and mostly it's people you know who have a have a, a dog in the fight wanting to protect uh, information on uh, how much they're earning because they probably shouldn't be earning that much um i think that the transparency rule uh uh, for all the reasons you've just said, um, will be an interesting talking point for analysts, but also for teams as well. Um, it will lead to greater accountability among the players. Um, you know, if somebody's being paid three times as much as a, you know, an up-and-comer who's outperforming them, then you know that that, that is that is going to have an impact on on that player and uh, others around them. Like it will it, it will actually create accountability within teams and also probably reflect better. Uh, future contract contract value for those players. Yeah, I, I, Mario, I'm interested in that point. I mean, 
in terms of, you know, would it create jealousies? Um, Xander says, it, you know, that's just a, a maybe a muted point, but is there a danger it might actually split teams up if they know what other players are on? And I'll give you an example. What if Craig Wing ever found out that his $550,000 a year contract was actually eclipsed by Todd Burns' $1.2 million a deal deal? Um. Bad luck, get a better manager. Guys, have they ever raised this? I mean, I know I hear um, people on, on social media talking about this. Occasionally, every six months, we'll get a someone in the media who might talk about it. But has PVL or ABDO ever raised this, in your knowledge, um, as a real prospect of being, something being implemented? Not to my knowledge, to be honest. I mean, I've, I've only heard it come up in the media. I haven't actually seen it proposed as, a, uh, as an official NRL idea uh, mm. at this stage. I mean, because if it's such a no-brainer and we all seem to be in agreement that it is, what would be the hold-up there, do you think? Is it the fact that it's I, the I player's body? I suspect it's the player's union. Yeah, the player's yeah, union. I, I suspect thought that it's too. the player's union yep. and keeping them on side because it's been a, a pretty tricky couple of years with COVID and getting players to accept pay cuts and a whole lot of other things. Guys, we also put this one out to the TVT polls. We asked, should fans know what rugby league players are earning? And 57% said yes. So they're not in total agreement. Um, and I love this again from Giannis, one of our fanatics, uh, who said, uh, should, should fans know rugby league podcasters' favourite sexual positions? Uh, one answer was yes, it's the David Barnhill, or no, it's the Anasta. And it was a 50-50 split uh, among 75 votes, so very contentious among the Barnhill sexual positions. So thank you again, Giannis. Look, for what it's worth, guys, I'd prefer to know what parlour game each player prefers to uh, play at home. I want that made public. You know, is it operation or is it guess who? I want to know, Big Papa. Answer me, Luke Keery. Is it Cluedo or Monopoly? The NRL needs to grow a pair. How how good was that game, by the way? (laughs) Unbelievable. I still play that as an adult. It seems unseemly. I play it alone in the dark, but I fucking love it um, because no one else will play with me. Um, Look, the NRL needs to grow a pair, in my opinion, and make it public because only then will the game grow and be the game it needs to be. Uh, before that, how shit is the game Operation? Do you guys ever play that as a kid? A little bit. Not not a big fan, you, of, I must admit. I mean, do you remember the guy's deranged head? Like, even as a seven-year-old, I remember thinking, why am I trying to save this guy's life? Let yeah, him flatline and let's play some Super that, Nintendo. We used to think that Ronald McDonald was someone to be admired rather than just some grotty pedo. So, you know, we, we liked mm. some weird things in the late 80s, early 90s. So, That's right. I never thought he was so much a grotty pedo. I thought he was he was probably more a serial killer. I mean, you know, clowns and, yeah. Mm. I don't know, Xander, you should have seen what uh, Ronald McDonald in the late 70s was putting in the Happy Meals. Oof, it was unseemly. <laughs> All right, we're coming to the time of the show where we look forward into round three and we try to find out uh, well, we try to tax our brains trust, essentially, to find out who will be the winners uh, and make people some money on multis. Let's face it, it's all about brass tacks, about gambling, except for Mario, who's scrupulously moral when it comes to that. Uh, barely has a drink, Mario. He might have a snifter at port at Christmas. That's about it. Um, so, guys, we're going to start with the opening game. And I've got to say, for me, this is already the game of the round. It's uh, Sharks versus Dragons. It's... Uh, I guess these two teams traditionally play out some pretty good games anyway. It's a, it's a quasi-local derby. I know one of them's a merged club, and it doesn't quite work out geographically, but it's as close as you get um, outside of the Roosters and South. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game because based on the first two rounds, they've both played some pretty entertaining football, actually, and um, I don't know if necessarily most of the rugby league public would have assumed that would be the case after two rounds. I think it'll be the Sharks. Um, but I think it'll be a cracker, and I don't think there'll be much in it. I'll start with you, Mario. I'm totally torn, and the only reason I'm going Sharks is simply because of my ladder predictions. I want it to be right, so if I have to be 50-50, I'll go with the team that I had finishing above the other, so Sharks. Sharks. And look, I should open with this, and I was planning to do this. The ins and outs for each team. Uh, Teague Wilton and Mulatalo are out for the Sharks, and so is Andrew McCulloch for St. George. The ins for Sharks squad... Uh, Braden Trendle, Franklin Pele, Jack Williams, Lachlan Miller, Luke Metcalf, Royce Hunt, and Thomas Hazelton. Now, that's obviously their top 24, so they may not get a run. In fact, you know this to be the case because in number 24 for the Dragons, it's George Burgess. Uh, big chance he might not be playing because I think he'd still be answering some pretty searching questions down at Cogra Police Station. Um, the ins for St. George, Daniel Alvaro, Jackson Ford, Jaden Hunt, Michael Molo and Toto Moga. Uh, I'm going to go to you, Xander. Who's going to win this one? Yeah, I, I agree with both of you. I 
it, it, I think it will be very close, but I've been really impressed with the Sharks the first couple of weeks. Um, and I do think, you know, it is a, it is a grudge match. It's obviously going to be played at home for St. George, but um, I think uh, Nico Hines has really added a lot since coming uh, there. I was, I was tempted to have him as, uh, as my kind of uh, standout for the um, the round, I just wanted to be funny uh, in yeah. picking in picking a, a hectic cheese before. Um, but he, you know, him icing that that uh, conversion after uh, after doing an awful lot to help them win that game in general was just yeah, um, yeah pretty stellar. So I think he's an X factor that could could push it their way uh, just. Do you know how I mean? This expression gets trotted around way too often, but eyes up football. I feel like Nico yeah. Hines is like the king of that. Like the way he can sort of float across without – he doesn't seem like he's crabbing. He sort of glides across searching for that opportunity and he has a really good instinct for finding either the runner or the open hole or the – seems to make the, the right decision most of the time. And I guess when you're, um, you know, you're fitting into a new club, it's quite impressive to be doing that so early. Mm. But um, look, we'll move on to the next game. It's uh, the Tigers versus the Warriors. Are we all just going to say Warriors and move on? Yep. Yeah. yeah, great. I'm, we're not even going to read out the team sheets because the Tigers aren't a great. I'm very sorry, Tigers fans. In fact, I'm actually angry for you. They should be better than this. And I'm, my heart is weeping for you. The Friday game, that is the traditional grudge match. And I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to this between South and the Roosters. I'm going to start with you, Mario. Who's going to win this one? All right. It's such a tough game and I still can't bloody decide. I'm. I think Souths were flattered though by the scoreline in the end, and the fact that you know if Latrell kicked the goal, they probably won the game. But they they were terrible for sixty two minutes or something like that. So I'll go Roosters. They were at least good for thirty five minutes against Manly. Xander and I will go to you. And again, I've forgotten to read out the ins and outs, but people should know in terms of this game, there virtually are none. Both are sort of as per program from last week. So who do you see winning? Yeah, look, I think I think Souths are going to be much improved. They always they always um, uh, lift massively when they play us. Um, so I, I suspect them to, to really take the game to us. But I also expect there to be plenty of feeling from the Roosters because it will be the first game they play each other after Latrell effectively uh, maimed uh, Joey Manu last year. So I think that the Roosters will be out with a point to prove that as much as anyone. They'll be really up for this game. So I, I'm p- tipping the Roosters. Yeah, I'm going to lean with the Roosters as well. But um, I do note that the last couple of occasions, the emotion has certainly gotten to the tricolours and we have not played our best football. Kind of hoping the pennies dropped. And this time we managed to contain that because we, we tend to do yeah. a lot of dumb things. And, and that's saying something because Latrell Mitchell scalped someone in his game <laughs> against us. So I, um, I've often, I felt the last few games that, that Souths have appeared more motivated and played with more passion and hatred for us than we do against them. Mm. I'm hoping this this game uh, marks a, a, a turnaround in that trend. All right, we're going to move on to the next game, and it is Penrith versus the likely Wooden Spooners, the Newcastle Knights. Um, in terms of ins and outs, uh, there's no Lachlan, Lachlan Fitzgibbon for the Knights, and there's no Brian To'o for the Penrith Panthers. Um, instead, let's find out who their replacements are. Uh, someone named Taylor May has been named on the wing for the Panthers. And uh, I'm not sure who's replacing Lachlan Fitzgibbon. And I don't care to search, quite frankly. Uh, for me, it's going to be Penrith. I think this will be the game that it finally tolls on the Knights. I think at the moment they have been flattered with this win-loss. Uh, I think they've <laughs> they've come up against two teams that have played deplorably. And it will be interesting because I don't think the Panthers will do that. Um, so for me, it could actually get ugly. That's my prediction. Uh, we'll start with you, Mario. I don't think it's going to get ugly. I think it'll be, you know... 20, 24 to 8 sort of scoreline. I think it'll be you know, a, a contest for about 60 minutes with Penrith scoring once or twice late to to make it a relatively comfortable victory. But we can at least say that it you know was a contest. I think the Knights are still pretty good, um, which I did say at the start of the year anyway. And I, I think that they're showing that to be the better than we expected. The fact that they did that last week without Ponga, mm. they were... It was a good team effort. I thought Frizzell was really, really good in particular. I just thought his go forward was excellent. And, you know, considering they, they did have some outs, I think, yeah, I was impressed by the Knights, but not enough for them to 
Get over Penrith. Xander, um, Mario could be right there. Knights might be the best-performed last-place team at the end of the year. I'm not sure. Well, I guess we'll find out um, come finals time. Uh, they won't be there, obviously. They'll be watching from the stands. It should note as well that uh, Nathan Cleary has been named on an extended bench. So there's every chance that he might be coming in either from the bench or playing at the number seven for Sean O'Sullivan. I want to get your predictions, though, Xander. Who's going to win Panthers and the Knights? Yeah, I think the Knights have been very good the first couple of weeks, but again, they played a, a very out-of-sorts Roosters and um, the team that wasn't there last week. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't see them getting over the top of uh, over the top of a very good Panther side that's very clinical. I think they'll 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 hold their own. They'll perform well. I think they'll they'll push the the Panthers more than people will expect because I do think that they, you know, in spite of how bad we were, the, the Knights were really controlled and played very, very tight footy in that first round uh, game and they were just utterly dominant against uh, the Tigers. So I think they'll, they'll be good, but I just don't think they'll have enough firepower to, to knock over the Panthers. Yep, fair enough. We move to the Storm Eels game uh, down there at Amy Park. This Storm. Is sort of- yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, look. Uh, well, no. Look, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's an intriguing battle this one because um, late breaking news, as we mentioned uh, off air. Actually, we haven't we haven't announced this on air. Harry Grant is out. He has COVID, and that's uh, a big blow to a Storm team that's already struggling to field troops. So they've got a number of people out. In addition to Harry Grant, obviously they're missing their their guys like Brandon Smith, and um, they've lost. Uh, their their big prop for the year, um, so they're going to struggle. Whereas for for the Eels, the only person that's out is Jake Arthur, which sort of bodes well for them. I've shifted my tip on this one, guys. I'm actually going to go the Eels. Uh, might start with you this time, Xander. Who's going to win this one? Yeah, all jokes aside, I, I tipped the Eels as well, just because last year they had the wood on them, and with all the outs at the moment um, from the Storm, I I do think that uh, Para were also a little embarrassed on the weekend. Um, so I, I suspect they'll uh, they'll be wanting to, to come back and um, they'll be pretty motivated after after I think um, you know they'll feel like they they really let one get away against the sharks last week and uh, they always seem to get up against the storm. Yeah, you're right. They have got a good recent track record. Mario, what say you? Parramatta, the scoreline and results flattered them in round one, and I actually think the it, the same thing happened again in round two, but. I think the fact that they weren't able to get it over the line will make them realise that some things weren't going the right way for them. And I think they'll have enough to get over the Storm team just based on that they do just get up against the Storm. I don't know if it's, you know, memories in the club of 2009 has them all, you know, gets them fired up or whatever it is, but they, they seem to lift and I think they will lift again just enough. I tell you what, it's an ominous sign. Three people betting against the storm. That's a pretty rare thing to happen. We'll see. Um, look, I, I, yeah, storm Mel- thirteen plus. Melbourne got to thrash him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've just ensured that you've it's heard it happen. here, folks. Bet against TVT, and you will be a wealthy person. Uh, the next game: Raiders versus the Titans. Geez, the Raiders were awful last round. Titans. Look, they they have struggled in high-scoring games, in sort of seesawy type games. Uh, clear issues with their defence, but they can score some points. Uh, but based on the Raiders' performance last round, I mean, the fact that you know their entire performance seems to hinge on Jack White and being happy, um, that's a dangerous variable for me because I don't know when he's going to turn up and be happy. He was in the first round and they managed to knock over the Sharks, but he was a virtual ghost in that second game against the Cowboys. For me, it's the Titans. Yeah, look, I, I I'm denied about this one. This is this was one of the harder ones this week uh, for me to pick, um, but I I am tempted to uh, to to give the Raiders another shot. I thought they were um they were a little embarrassed, and and when uh, when Jack Whiten does play well, he can be, he can really break a game open. And uh, yeah, the Titans they're, they're very similar teams. They, they seem they seem to to uh, to really um, you know be almost a mercurial kind of mood-based sides where, where it requires a few players to really hit their stride and, 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 uh, you know, have, have that, uh, that freedom to move. So I think, um, I think Canberra being at home, uh, could just tip it in their favor. So I'm going to go with the Raiders. Yeah. Look, and something I should have mentioned as well, Mario, before we get your thoughts, um, the outs for Canberra, James Schiller, 
and the ins include uh, Nick Kotrick, Jordan Rapana, Brad Schneider and Sam Williams and Ryan Sutton. And the ins for in the squad for the Titans, uh, Eason Masters, uh, Jermaine Asako, who's just made a, a late switch, um, and Paul Turner. Uh, what say you in terms of this game? Well, you forgot um, Josh Hodson being out for the Raiders as That's well. That's right. It's an ACL diagnosed, right? Yep. He's out for the season, so his Raiders career is over after 130-odd games. Yep. I actually think that might help um, them, though. <laughs> he hasn't been that good <laughs> the last couple of years. Look, yeah, he definitely hasn't, but bring, I mean, bringing back Schneider, who's played, what, four games or something, and uh, as much as I'm a Sam Williams fan, I'm more of a Jermaine Asako fan, and that's going to lead me to, uh, to Titans getting the wood over them. Yeah, fair enough. Look, we're going to move on to the first Sunday match, and it's an all-Queensland affair, Broncos versus the Cowboys. I've loved the way the Broncos have played the first two rounds. Um, on performance, they've played really well. They're still finding their stride and their combinations as well. Adam Reynolds only makes them stronger. So for me, um, it's the Broncos. I think the Cowboys have been um, a mixed bag at best. Yeah, look, I mean, we don't know what the Cowboys really faced last week. So in terms of, as we said, were they good or were their opposition bad? Brisbane were decent last week. They were quite good in round one. And so I think I have to go Brisbane, but not with a huge amount of confidence. But I think they'll get the job done. What about you, Xander? Yeah, no, I agree. I've I've actually um, been quite impressed with the Broncos in the first couple of weeks. They've, They've been, you know... A little bit patchy in parts, but uh, I think Adam Reynolds is just adds so much to that side. Um, and just the fact that they're almost certainly going to be going up in, in sixes more than fours, you know, in a close game will effectively mean that they're more likely to win it. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think that the Cowboys haven't shown enough this year, you know, to, to, to convince me they can really compete with, with more polished sides. So I, I'm going to go with the Broncos in this one. And, and yeah. I'm looking forward to, to seeing Adam Reynolds play in that Broncos jersey again. It's it's still very jarring, I have to say, but I've been enjoying it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, obviously, Jason Tamalolo goes after that return to form from last week. And I have to say, uh, Billy Walters played very well from the bench. He's had two really good games to open up the season. Mm. It'll be interesting to see if he can maintain that um, because, you know, he's, his form was sort of indifferent at the Tigers before arriving there, but he seems to be playing better for his old man. Uh, we're going to come to the last game. It's your game, Mario. It's the, the Mighty Eagles versus the Dogs. They're playing over at Brookie. Um, in terms of ins, let's have a look here. Um, the Manly side have, uh, according to this, George Tafua, your favourite, Morgan Boyle. Um, I'm going to get some of these names wrong. Alec Tuatavake, Christian Tuapalotu, and James Romanos. Um, and the ins for the Dogs include Brandon Wakeham, Joe Stibson, Joshua Cook, Kyle Flanagan comes into the extended bench, and so does Reese Hoffman. Um, we're going to start with you, Mario, seeing as your team. How do you see it going? Well, I'm very hopeful that the first two you mentioned are just extended bench <laughs> and not actually making the team, yeah. or I might cry because Morgan Boyle is absolute garbage and Safua hasn't been good since the middle of 2014. <laughs> well, since the Middle <laughs> Ages. Yeah, it's been a while. So uh, I'm taking my son to his first ever footy game oh, nice work. on Sunday. That'll be a good, good moment. Driving out. Yep, driving down to Sydney. I've been saving him, wanting to make sure he get Brookvale was his first game because he's a big Manly fan. He got to meet Beaver yesterday, which is a big highlight. So he's uh, you know, he's very keen to go to the game. He might watch about ten minutes of it, and the rest just um, you know slide on cardboard boxes down the back of the hill, which is a tradition at Brookvale Oval, and that's totally fine. But I can't fathom that his first game is possibly going to be a loss to the Bulldogs. So Manly. <laughs> 13 plus. I love it. Look, we are running out of time on our record, Xander, so we might have to be uh, a little bit brief. How do you see this one going? Yeah, Manly. Just, <laughs> dogs have been all right, but but I, I, I as bad as Manly have been in parts, I think they were, they, they've shown enough promise to be too good for the dogs for me. Yeah, well, it's an interesting one. I think this is another intriguing match. Um, the parochial Manly crowd, which will only be more parochial with, uh, with Mario there, obviously, yelling obscenities from the hill. Um, so that'll be tough on a Sunday night. But I'm going to go on performance here. I'm going to go and lean the dogs in a tight one, just given from what we've seen the, the Manly side dish up so far and the fact that really the dogs should be two from two um, based on their 
their first two games, in my opinion. So I'm going to go with them by two points. Well, those were our predictions uh, for the coming rounds. Look, on a sad note, before we go, it's come to the voluntary tackle's attention that former Roosters benchwarmer Ryan Hall has made a tragic announcement this week. The emotional 34-year-old fronted the media to let them know that after hundreds of games and countless bomb tries, he'll be playing on in spite of all of the evidence. To all of the Hull fans, my thoughts are with you. Remember, there is support out there. Beyond Blue might not take your call, but 1-800-349-876 will. That's 1-800-BEYOND-HALL. Hang in there. You'll be gone soon. That's all from us, Tacklers. Thanks for joining us for another week. And again, if you could rate and comment on the pod wherever you're listening to this, that would be greatly appreciated. I'll actually wait for you to do it this time. Now that I think about it. You're not doing it yet. I'll I'll do this all day, mate. I don't care. Just got to take your phone out of your pocket and um, just scribble a few words or rate, whatever. Come on. There you go. Thank you. Don't Google Pornhub. Go to Apple Podcast. Whoa. You watch midget porn. You know what? You can keep your review. It's fine. So until next time, just do what Madge McGuire would do at dinner time with the family and aggressively demand knife and fork efficiency from the table before getting it all wrong yourself and accidentally piercing your thumb with a blunt spork. Catch you next time, tacklers.